Okay, welcome everybody to class number two. Who is here for the first time? Lots of fresh meat. Okay, good. Pass the payment thing around. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so this class sort of starts on this premise. It's sort of like this in all of our lives. I have needs, issues, and pains, questions, things, things I struggle with, and my friends do too. And we rarely talk about them. And when we do, um, I feel sort of inept, right? Scripture says, by the Spirit, I can change, I can walk with God. It says, bear one another's burdens. It says, if any, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you might be healed. It says, if anyone is caught in his trespass, Galatians 6, 1, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. And we go, that is not talking about me. You need counseling. You know, it's like, you should talk to Josh. You know, I know it's a month to get on this thing, but you, yeah, and so we sort of, or we kind of go, what did I see on Dr. Phil? It, it, because we just feel like, I don't really have anything to say. And yes, scripture says that we uh, are called to be, Romans 15, competent to counsel each other. We're at Starbucks, someone is, is got kind of despondent feelings, or they've just been laid off, or they had an argument with their mate or something, and, and we're supposed to be, not in a guilt-ridden way, but in a, no, you've got this in you sort of a way, we can be competent to be a really, really good friend to someone. And we know that a really good friend listens, but that is not all a really good friend does. And so, um, Scripture says, by the Spirit, we can do that. So, the question then is help. And so, last week, we talked about kind of Romans 1 through one through 8 in like 30 seconds. So, you've you got to really be quick in this class. Um, but really, the, the point is, and we're going to go back and cover a couple of key, key issues there. But the point is that everything in Romans 1 through 7 and then 8 verse 1 says a lot of crazy things about what God's done for us, like, like way beyond having our sins forgiven. We talked about, about um, God forgave all our past debt, God forgives our monthly note, pays off our monthly note, he puts us in witness protection so saint can't find us, he gets our, our name off the post office uh, bulletin board so the law's not after us anymore, and he says, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not bad. You're not crazy. You're not stupid. And then Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, you're not condemned. I'm not, I'm not like pointing a finger at you. I'm not like Uncle Sam. I want you. So, so God is in this crazy accepting mode with us. And we talked a little bit about that. And we said, so this class is about what I do with that going forward. And, we, and we're going to divide the class into three mindset pieces out of Romans 8. Everything changes at Romans 8. Last time we showed that there's talk, 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 talk. Romans 8, the word spirit, by the spirit, in the spirit, according to the spirit, is like 17 times in Romans 8. So Paul says, everything hasn't changed because now you're forgiven, although that's true. Everything has changed because now you are filled with me on the inside. And I'm not human, and my first language isn't English, but if you're okay with that, then I'm going to transform you into a person like me. And by that I don't mean behavior. By that I mean nature. I'm going to show you how to take advantage of a different nature that you have inside of you. And that will transform into behavior. 
But it doesn't, you don't behave your way into godliness. You believe what he's done, and godliness comes out of that belief. Okay? It's backwards world, but it's really frontwards world in God's eyes. So we talk about a freedom mindset. Set your minds on things. Uh, if you set your minds on the things of the flesh, you'll die. So here I am. If I look this way, it's death. If I look this way, it's life. And I have a choice. My mind has a choice. Mike's going to talk about that. Freedom action. If by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you live. So not by gritting my teeth, not by, I am, not, I am never going to do pornography again. As long as I, man, I'm feeling bad tonight. I'm in a hotel and I'm lonely. And maybe, you know, I'll just, I'll just look at sports. Well, that's not sports, but, you know, and then kind of off you go on that thing. And you go, ah, I hate myself. And so what is that? Okay, if by the spirit, not by the flesh, not by the mind, freedom connection, all who are being, if you want to know who a Christian is, here's one bit of evidence. All who are being led by the spirit of God, these are God's children. <clears throat> All of us in the room are going, dun, 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 dun. it's not just baptism, right? There's more to this thing than meets the eye. Okay, so we're going to talk about practical ways to do that. But first, every week, somebody who has been involved in us walking like this is going to give a few minutes, and they're all scared spitless. So say hi to Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi. She's told, such a dear friend. Ready to go. I told Jeannie I'd make a few notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Perfect. Um, I think for me, well, I should brag a little bit. February 2, 2772 marks the anniversary of my baptism, so I'm pretty proud of that. But no, November 2009 was more of a change point for me. I went to um, Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama. I met with two little ladies. They're not old ladies, just two ladies. And we went through what I call a deliverance. And... There was homework, and it wasn't a one-and-done thing. I actually had had one session with one lady when she was visiting Nashville at a hotel, and we started through it. So it was um, a little homework. I had to list all my past hurts and pains from as far back as I could remember, and we worked through each of those situations. And this is my biggest takeaway from this experience was in every single situation, Close my eyes and ask the Lord, where were you when this happened? And he was there every single time. Whether I was in real danger or just my feelings were hurt because I was a little girl and my aunt promised me all these Barbie clothes and then showed them to me and said, but I'm going to give them to my daughter, Kim, who was two. So that hurt my feelings, and it stayed with me for a very, very long time. But So I was able to ask Jesus where he was in that moment. Well, I wasn't in any danger, so he was in the room, and I could see him, and he could see me. But he, Anyway, you know, my little feelings got hurt. So ultimately what we did was we worked through forgiveness and all of those hurts. And to know that Jesus was with me every single time, and he's with us now. I just want to wish I could see him. So I've been praying really hard to hear what he wants me to hear and see what he wants me to see. And um, I used to, when I had a 
direct question for the Lord, I'd run to my Bible and let it fall open and look for a yes or no or some answer. It doesn't say take your kids to Christian school in here. You know, this is my Bible. But um, it doesn't say that. So it was just a lot of things like that. Well, now I'm trying to be more like Andy and my friend Martha, and I'm just asking the Lord and listening for his answer. And that's one of the things I admire about Andy is he hears God in real time, and I'm learning to do that too. So Jesus is always with us. We can talk to him anytime. And I just feel like I became a freedom prayer junkie. <laughs> so just know he's with you all the time. Move that stuff out of the front seat of the car and let him be up there with you. Blessings. Thank you. Um, we do not sell books in here, and, and when people buy this book, every penny goes to the Freedom Prayer Ministry. You can go on Otter Creek's website, Freedom Prayer Ministry. You'll see everything. So everything goes there. Ethos is, it's in about eight or nine churches in town, probably 500 churches around the country. So this, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is in here. It's a book called Freedom Tools. You can get it off Amazon. And uh, who wants this one? Oh, <laughs> I borrowed this copy. Sorry. Okay, Mike's going to come up. Mike, uh, you want to run the PowerPoint as well? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. One of the things that I wanted us to look at, in order to understand uh, our struggle in this world, we really need to know something about ourselves. And uh, if you were to talk to people about what the soul and the spirit is, most people would see them as synonymous, that they go together. When God's talking about the soul, He's talking about the spirit. And what I want us to see is that there really is a separation. God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. So there is a distinction between spirit, soul, and body. And why is this important? Well, as you read the scriptures, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides the soul and the spirit. There is a difference in those. In Romans 8, and this, here, this is the reason why. The mind controlled by the sinful nature is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, in other words, the mind that's focused on the flesh, the soul that is focused on the flesh, does not submit to God's law. Paul says, nor can it do so. This is where you get the reasoning and understanding that if you try to, by willpower, overcome sinful struggles in your life, not just the easy ones, but the ones that you know deep down inside that you can't change, that this is why you don't have it within your soul to make it happen. Okay, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Now, um, went backwards. There we go. Uh, so let's look at it this way: the body, the Greek word is sarkikos, is primarily led and influenced by the brain chemistry. In other words, by the soul, which filters. The to the soul and drives lust, self-focus, feelings, and strong emotions. So whatever you experience in your spirit and in your soul is lived out in your body. That's why you cannot separate spiritual, 
emotional and physical. They're all woven together. God created us all to work together. So the body is our physical body and where things are lived out. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. It, it's your thoughts, your, where you make decisions, and your feelings. That is your soul. When Pat talked about having her feelings hurt, she, her feelings were hurt in her soul. The, the word for spirit is uh, pneumakos, primarily led out of relationship with God within our spirits, and we receive life and truth from that relationship backed by the scripture and wisdom within the soul. Here's the thing that's primary in the, in the spirit. When God created us, He breathed into us the breath of life, but we were created in His image, Right? So God gave us a sense of a conscience. He gave us intuition. And He gave us a desire for communion or relationships with Him and with one another. One another's. If you never commit your life to Christ, you have a conscience. You have a sense, this, this, this is not right or this is not wrong. Normally we give women more credit for intuition than men. Because we kind of just like to look at the facts. But full, full stop and experience some of our emotions, we will have that sense of intuition as well. Maybe not as much, but we can have that. And so the point here is, is that for us to bring about transformation through the, the, the Holy Spirit teaching us, guiding us, leading us by forming our conscience, our intuition, and our relationship with God, then through that we carry out what is lived in our, in, our, in our life. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, this is how their life was. The spirit led by the body and soul. When they sinned, it flipped it upside down and the body and the soul took control. When you give your life to Christ, it flips it back up. And you spend your life growing deeper into the relationship of becoming more like Jesus. But any time you let, try to let your soul or body have control, you are doomed. If Satan can get you to focus on how you feel, your behavior, your thoughts, your actions, instead of focusing through the Spirit on Jesus, he will defeat you every single time. Are you with me? That's, very, that's why this is so important for you to understand is that you're, you've got three aspects. You've got a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. So, um, this 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 bit here. Let me let me go back. Um, um, so, s Scripture talks about this in Corinthians, and it does it in this interesting roundabout way. So, Paul says, "I could not talk to you as spiritual men, pneumaticos men, spiritual men." Because you are arguing, you're fighting, you're sort of living like animals. So are you not mere flesh, right? You might remember reading at Corinthians. I can't talk to you spiritual men because you're acting like flesh men. Okay? And all of us as Christians go, yeah, that's not, no way. You know, that's, you know, crucify the flesh. You know, we're just all this about flesh, flesh. And so here I am in my mind, crucifying the flesh, being exegetical, being memorizing, doing all these things in my mind, and I'm, I'm trying to lasso my will, 
I'm trying to control my emotions in some way, or at least express them and feel them. And so Paul, and so he goes, so I've, I've arrived, I've made it. That is the biggest mistake Christians make, I think, the biggest mistake. Paul, a little while later, says, the natural man cannot assess the things of the Spirit. Still in 1 Corinthians early on there, 2, 3, 4. The natural man cannot assess, sign proper value to the things of the Spirit. They're foolishness to him. But the spiritual man properly assigns value to all things and speaks with words led by the Spirit of God, combining spiritual with spiritual. Now, we might think that's philosophy, kind of ancient, made-up stuff, surely modern neuroscience is blah, 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 blah. The reality is that we have, we have looked at the sarkikos, sarcophagus, the body-driven person, and we say, no, we need to be controlled by logical rationality. And God says you're halfway there, but this is actually more dangerous than this. Because if I'm over here, there's no pretense that I'm a Christian, that I'm doing good. I, I am just, you know, living life large. But if I'm here trying to operate and take care of that, I have no leverage to do so. And I live my life in a struggle and a failure. And what I end up doing is saying, well, this is all there is. When I get to heaven, it'll be better. And, and we make some progress because we in Brentwood bubble, you know, we've got health clubs and we've got good friends and we've got better jobs. And we, we try to live it. I try, I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to live a good life. Trying to, and God says, no, no, no. You as a mind-controlled soul, mind-willing emotion-controlled Christian, you will think that things of the Spirit are sort of foolish. But he says, the psyche, so this is a, called a, it's the word natural man is psychico, psychological, the psycho, the psycho, now the psychological man. And he says, but the pneumaticos, pneumatire, the pneumaticos man, rightly assesses what's important and what isn't important, and from this place puts things to death that aren't important, and assigns jobs for the mind, the will, and the emotions to carry out. The soul is a great steward, but he's not the leader. He's not the innovator. He's not the one who gets revelation. The soul takes orders from the spirit, but if the spirit is shut off and I don't know it's there, the soul has to make things up from what it knows. And it doesn't. It does an okay job, and in, in a nice society, it does a nice job. And if I spend time in the Word and everything, I, I, I the things I know grow, and so I make things out of better things. But that is a pretty far cry from being led by the Spirit. And, and so go look at those scriptures yourself. Don't don't let me convince you. Go look at those scriptures because I I know when I first looked at them, I'm like, I really. You know, it, it just kind of bothered me because I thought I had things sort of upside down, sort of. And so for years I said, Lord, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? You read the book of Acts with Spirit in your mind, you go, this is a whole different lifestyle than what I'm doing. Not totally different. I mean, because I have a Spirit... The Spirit's going to leak through. I mean, I want to be led by God. I want, and so, so it's, it's not like there's this wall. 
but but it's kind of a wall with a grid over it, and and that grid is kind of what I believe and what I accept and what I know. And 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 God is not a tame lion, as C.S. Lewis said. You know, Aslan is not a tame lion, and Aslan will. God wants us to cheat in meetings. He wants to show us the hearts of the people in the meeting and how to be a peacemaker. I spent, uh, I was in 13 meetings last week in Colorado trying to put five local entities together who've all sued each other. And I'm going, blessed are the peacemakers, so they should be called children of God. That's the kind of name calling I want around here. And at the end, crazy at the end, I was talking to them about a culture of honor. Whole room for council people, mayors, and I said, guys, if we don't have a culture of honor, we're not going to succeed. That's job one for us. Job two, we can do all the legal stuff and the financial stuff, but if we don't have a culture of honor and honor each other and cover each other, we're not going to make it. And at the end, three of them hugged me. This is a business meeting. And three of them come and said, man, thanks. I really appreciate it. I'm just like, wow, this is like a curmudgeon little farmer from, from you know, the, the Colorado high country and... And I thought, this is good. This thing where we, where, in fact, in fact I said, we're going to need a, a, board, a board member, a board leader who's unassailable. And somebody in the back said, they crucified that one. And I said, yeah, but he's risen. And he went, so, you know, cool stuff. Would I have done that if I just tried to do the, the, the lawyer legal thing? No, none of that would have happened. But I really felt God saying, no, go there, go there. Appeal to them. Okay, so um, there's a so that so that's the first big thing is go back and study body, soul, spirit. Understand that I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. That's how God calls us to live. I am a spirit primarily. When I die, guess what? My body's going to go away and the flesh go away with it, and I will be a spirit being. I'll be like Jesus. I can go through walls. I can go into outer space. I can fish and catch fish. You know what I mean? He had a pretty cool body. He probably knew where the fish were. Okay. There's, a, there's another amazing aspect to this that I want to take the rest of the time uh, and talk about. Oh, thank you. You, you were so fast. You asked me to. Uh, yes, that's, that's really good. Um, and that is this idea of me and not me. Romans 7 is a crazy... It's a crazy chapter, and it says this, For we know the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh, sold into the bondage of sin. What I'm doing, I don't understand, for I'm not practicing what I want to do. And so you see this, I'm, 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 I'm. And when you look at that, and you go, he's talking about two people there. He's talking about, he's saying me and not me. Me and not me. Read it, just slowly to yourself. He says, I'm doing the thing I don't want to do. Right? Not me is doing something that me doesn't want to do. So we're going to do it. I'm going to sit here. Okay, so should John Deere be me or not me? Okay, John Deere will be me, and no identity will be not me. Okay, no. We're going to read it close, and I want you to point to this hat if you think the I is not me, I mean is me, John Deere, Andy, you're John Deere, come on, you live in the country, is me, and this is not me, and let's walk through it very, very slowly. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. No, I'm of the flesh. 
Not me. Not me is of the flesh. Okay? It's, see, it's good because we need to... When we get to the end of this slide, you're going to be doing it fluidly. And that's my point. Okay, so let's start again. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold into the body of sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. Okay, so, so what I am doing, who's that? No, what I'm doing, I don't understand. Right? For what I'm doing, I don't understand. I'm doing something that I don't understand. Okay, you getting it? I don't understand. For we don't understand. Right. For I am not practicing what I want to do. Okay, you're starting to nod. I'm not doing what I want to do. This is gonna just blow your little minds, my little mind too. I'm not doing what I like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. So who's the first I? But I am doing the very thing that I hate. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, okay, but if I do the very thing I don't want to do, okay, so who's the first I? If I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that it's good. So who's that I? I agree with the law. John Deere agrees with the law, right? Confessing that the law is good. So no longer am I the one doing it. So no longer am I the one doing it. Who's that I? John Deere. John Deere. You see what Paul just did there? He says, no longer am I the one doing it. He has created two identities within himself. Right then and there. No longer am I the one doing it, but sin, now he's given a name to this other hat. But sin that dwells in me, okay, now he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. What's the first I? I know that nothing good dwells in me. John Deere knows that nothing good dwells in me. Now he says, that is in my flesh. So now he's given it two names, sin and flesh, okay? Nothing good dwells in, uh, I know, for the willing is present in me, who wants to do good? John Deere, the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I don't do. Okay, so the good that I want to do, who's that first I? The good that I want to do, I don't do. Who's that I? blank hat, right? The good that I want to do, I don't do, but I practice the very evil I do not want. So I practice the very evil I don't want to do. But if I am doing the very thing I don't want to do, now we're getting to the thrilling conclusion, but if I do the very thing, who's that? But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, now watch this sleight of hand. I am not the one doing it. I'm not the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Is that freaky? I mean, we just buzz through that. And we go, yeah, well, that's my struggle. But Paul isn't talking about a struggle. Paul is talking about, we're going to go very quickly back through it again. Paul is talking about a reality of how God views us and how we should view ourselves. 
And it is, it is like the gospel you've never heard. It's, it's, too, it's the too good to be true gospel. But here it is. Here it is right here. This is like the culmination of all the sin struggle up through Romans and everything God has done. And here at the end, God said, the last thing I did, the reason I can say in Romans 8.1, there is, stop, there, no, <laughs> there is no condemnation. The reason I can say that is this. This is how God sees me. Radically different than how I see me. Life-changingly different. He's not letting you off the hook. Sin isn't unimportant. It was just so important he took care of it himself. Right? If you tell your kids to do something that is life-important and you're pretty sure they won't do it, you'll do it, right? Oh, well, if you're drowning in the pool, I mean, it's your, it's your choice. No, there are some things that aren't a kid's choice, okay? And, and what, what Jesus said is, is getting free from sin is not your choice. While you were dead in your trespasses and sins, I took care of it. Because you literally had no choice. You had no spirit. You had no leverage. The only leverage you had was in my head, trying to get better and better and better. And God said, now, if you look out in the hinterlands, which look just dark and misty, there is a whole world out there called the spirit, and now you have leverage. Go and occupy that land, and from that place, change. From that place, grow. From that place, be transformed. It's crazy in Hebrews, it says, strive to enter rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. My burden is easy and my load is light. We don't hear that enough. And so the gospel's pretty good news. The gospel's delayed gratification in heaven news. The gospel is, is behave yourself. The gospel is let's create a church culture where we are good people. There's, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But if the good peopleness is through self-effort, it will be an ultimately frustrating thing, and we will all have to pretend because we know we can't. We we can't do it. And so we all are nice people with secrets, and it's like, okay, let's stop that craziness. Okay, that's with this whole class. Let's stop the craziness. Let's be vulnerable with each other. And not just confess our sins, not just confess our needs, not just help each other, but let's point each other to this. Okay, so let's go again. I am of the flesh, sold into bondage. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I want to do. I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So then no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, not me, sin is not me, dwells in me, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Nothing good dwells in the part of you where nothing good dwells. But really good to die for stuff dwells in the part of you where me dwells. Do you see how precious you are to God? He died so that the part of you that is you, 
the real you, not the sin-infested you, not the one who was born with sin. That part of you is eternal, precious, individual, undying, loved by God. I mean, just, it's like your kid misbehaves and you try to punish him, but you just can't. It's just like, oh, you know, it's just like, well, maybe a grandkid. Okay, so, okay. Um, so that nothing goes, that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is good. For, for that I want to do, I don't do, but if I practice evil, I hate, I'm not the one doing it. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Okay? So that's me. That, that's the situation that, that we are all in as believers. Sin dwells in me, a believer. So here is how God sees us. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. If I lived on Mars, it would be a Mars suit, not an Earth suit. If I live in a new creation, I'll have a new creation suit. Not this suit. I'll have a new creation suit. It says, when we see Jesus, we'll be like him. Isn't that cool? So Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus and nobody recognizes him. Then he disappears. Then he, he walks through a wall. He ascends into heaven and doesn't die as asphyxiation. He lives forever. He can eat and enjoy food, drink and enjoy wine. He looks like himself. He's... He, yeah, I know, I sometimes feel a little bad about that, but maybe glorify it, I'd be okay. You know, and so, and so, but he has this crazy eternal body. That says crazy things about the next age. You know, Jesus says, in the ages to come, there have been ages past of which we don't know, but we see evidence in the earth. There is a current age in which we have been born, our eternal life has been initiated in this age. Satan hated us. We were given a choice. Our progenitors made a really bad choice. That choice had implications on us. If your forebears moved to America, you are born an American. If your forebears moved to sin, you are born a sinner. A dog doesn't produce cats. A dog produces dogs. You can take a dog and train it to sit at the table, train it to not slurp the food. You can treat it like a child, dress it up as a child. You're an old granny and you got two dogs that are, that are written into your will. None of that makes them human because they're not human by behavior. They're human by birth. None of what we do makes us born again, makes us children of God. No, you cannot behave yourself into being a new creation. You are only made a new creation by saying yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, being baptized, and he said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That stuff, that is not just whimsy. It's not just ancient teaching. It is how humans 
are. It's our nature. And God says, look, I get this. If you read the New Testament with that in mind, you go, why didn't I see this? It's everywhere. What? Why didn't I see that? Why, why didn't I catch that? So Paul then goes, I find then this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. That's everybody in the room. Okay, evil's present in me, the one who wants to do good. Some of you are so sweet, you never, almost never see it. Okay, I mean, until you get married, then of course you <laughs> may seize it. But I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. That's, that's another word for the spirit, the inner man. I concur in the inner man. I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. Now, you see some laws there. Yeah? Just clarify the inner man again. Inner man is the spirit. Your spirit or God's spirit? Uh, My spirit is my man, inner man. My spirit where God dwells, right? So they dwell together. Now, I'm not going to go into this, but there are three laws. The law of sin and death, the law of life, and the law of sin... Oh, here it is. The law of my mind. Okay? We could go on and ad nauseum about that. law of my mind is me trying to make, make life work through my mind. And it says, look, it's waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of this law. It's like an invader into a country that has its own law, and its own law is fine, but its army is weak. And so its law doesn't matter because it's taken over. I don't care what your tribal law is. We, you know, the Dutch East India Company are going to colonize you and good for us, you know, and you're going to take on British law. And I, I don't care what your tribal law is, okay? Satan didn't care what the law of our mind is. He doesn't care. It's weak. It's ineffective. It does, the do's and don'ts and the rules. He gave us the law. Remember it says in Romans, he said, I gave you the law, not so you'd keep the law, but so you'd break the law and realize it doesn't work. Go back and read Romans. He said, I gave you the law as a tutor to lead you to Christ. You can't keep the Ten Commandments. You can't keep the law. You can't. I gave it to you so you'd eventually quit this foolishness and yield to me in a transformation. That's why I gave you the law. It just took a long time. In the days is a thousand years, so Saturdays, three thousand years. You know, it's, it, okay. Does that kind of make sense? I, I know we're recording this, and you can listen to it again and see see uh, if this still makes sense later. So Paul says, "Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? This body of death, the drives of the body." Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind. I'm serving the law of God. I am setting my mind on things above. I'm setting my mind. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. With my mind, I'm serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin, there is, now we're into Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. God is not a performance-oriented being. He is a heart-oriented being. Your performance is secondary. God looks at the heart. The fact that you feel bad about some of your behavior is evidence that you are a child of God. If you didn't feel bad, I kind of wonder, you know? But the fact, 
that, that this is you, sometimes you say, oh, wretched mate that I have. No, you never say that. You say, oh, wretched man that I am. <clears throat> the fact that we say that is evidence that we're God's children, and we, hate, we, we agree with God. I'm here. I look to my right. There's Papa God. I look to my left. There's Jesus. I look behind me, and the one massaging my shoulders is Holy Spirit. And we're sitting on this side, and my sin is on the other side of the table. And we all agree that we don't like the sin on the other side of the table. We're all in agreement. Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, to lead us, to help us. The Father is there not to judge. That's why the Son came. Judgment's already over. The Father's there to encourage. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Did Jesus ever attribute untimely death to God? No. Sickness to God? No. Sin to God? No. He never did. He also said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it weren't true, I'd tell you. He said, I only say what the Father's saying. So if you want to read the words of the Father, read the words, read the red letters. They're, they're, they're what God the Father is saying. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit's like the best mom ever. The chocolate cookie in the oven when you come home from school, Holy Spirit, okay. <laughs> the comforter, the helper, the, you know, all the things. And so... <clears throat> There is therefore now no condemnation. Okay, what questions have popped into your mind with that? Did anything, you just went, H, no? Yes. Well, I, I think, of course, there's a thousand things you can cover. But I think what's important for us to understand is that the reason we have no condemnation is because John says we are being continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so because of his salvation for us, yeah. it's not only at the moment of salvation, but it's also an ongoing. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly being made pure because of our faith. And that's why we we know that we're going to sin, but that sin is not going to condemn us unless yeah. we ignore it. You know, but if we acknowledge it and that then it's forgiven and we move on. Yeah. And and if we ignore it, we're still not condemned. Sin just has a way of finding us out. You know? Sin has consequences. Colossians 3.25 says, the one who sins will receive the consequences of that sin and without favoritism. Right? There's a law of sowing and reaping in the world. And, you know, if, if, if you break your neighbor's window as a kid, you may lose your allowance for a little while. <clears throat> That's part of growing up and part of learning to hate sin. If, if the consequences of sin were erased and I could get away with anything, I wouldn't learn to hate sin. And so there are consequences of sin. Yeah. Might give away my personality here, but what's the. Um, how does this actually help us um, put to death the works of the Lord? Right. So it says, if by the Spirit. Better than the other way, which yep. is me trying to make myself better. <clears throat> right. So there's power in the Spirit, there's <clears throat> hopefulness and teeth grittedness in, in our minds. Over here, <clears throat> there is this power to disarm the power of sin, to give us uh, a will and a desire to work circumstances, and to give us this sense of, I literally can transform. See, this is a new identity we're talking about. See, I used to think I was a dog, so no matter how hard I try to be a person, I'd bark in the most inappropriate times, right? But now I'm a human. And when I know I'm a human, out of my 
out of my spiritness begins to flow. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone is in Christ, out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit, that those who were to receive him were to receive. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. There is a way of walking where I am in partnership with someone way more powerful than me. And anything I come to that feels more powerful than me, I go, right? No temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, test, or trial. The word is parasmos. No temptation, test, or trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. What? Because you're his child. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted, tested, or tried beyond your ability. But with the temptation, test, or trial, will supply the means of escape that you might endure it. So go memorize that and go, okay, this thing looks too big, but this says it's not. I must be pretty hot stuff. Because this seems too big, but God says it's not. Because, see, we have a very small picture of ourselves. Right? We have a, Jesus chides the apostles, why did you fear? Why, why were you afraid? You're master of the storm, just like me. Why don't you calm the storm? Not me. Well, why not? You're son of, I mean, they weren't at the time, but see, that's what he says to us. He went to his hometown, and he was shocked. He couldn't get <clears> him. <throat> he said, what's the matter with you? A centurion, I can heal at a distance. You in my hometown, I'm having trouble because your mindset, your belief system is so powerless that you stop me. I flow through you. I flow through your beliefs. Just like Satan does. Satan has no power. He uses your faith to do you in. He uses your belief system to do you in. He was rendered totally powerless. Why does he seem to have so much power? Because you have so much power. Yeah, Jeannie. Well, I was just going to say for what Ryan's question on a simpler note for me personally is when like if I lose my temper or something and instead of holding on to that and I guess I have a right to be angry and kind of living in that knowing, oh, I'm immediately stricken, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that or done that. For me, I just try to withdraw and go to Jesus and just abide with him and just immediately get it off and say, oh, you know, forgive me, I lost my temper, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and then he and the Spirit, you know, they encourage and comfort and tell me, it's okay, you messed up, but you're still our daughter and we love you and you are good. And it diffuses all the tension from me so that I can go back into whatever situation and... Yeah. And be the new me and not hold on to the old and walk in with, with all yeah. that package. Yeah, we're going to talk more and more about that moment by momentness with God. Jesus said, I, I, I don't ever say anything, do anything I don't currently see the Father doing. And you go, well, that was Jesus. Well, <laughs> we're adopted children. He does, he's not going to treat him better than us. And so exactly what Jeannie said, I'm in the middle, I mess up, First John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive that sin. And guess what? You spill a malt on the hood of your car and you go to the car wash, guess, what's, guess what is cleaned off? All dirt, not just the malt. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us that sin and cleanse us. Let us know that we're children, that, that we're clean in His sight, that He loves us desperately. Scott. I was just going to say one other thing that Ryan's question um, made me think about is that depending on what your experience is, what your walk has been, 
for some people, pride is a is a big um, stumbling block. Yeah. I've had success in the soul man putting to death some things. Um, God has been faithful, but I have been attributing because I, I haven't recognized the spirit man and the role of the Holy Spirit and how that works. I in the flesh have had success, and people have told me I'm a great Christian leader, and people have have, have given me accolades, and I have had success. And so that's feeding the pride in me that says, I can pull myself up yeah. by my own bootstraps. Um, and the spirit man is sitting there atrophied. And so when you plug into that and you realize it's not me that really has the power to do any meaningful change, it's why there's so much self-condemnation for those people pleasers um, and people who have been church leaders that stumble in such a big way is because they've been relying on the flesh right. to accomplish the things that only spirit can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of the. Um, I'm, I'm by nature a fearful person. Um, not by. Anyway, whatever you would think. Um, but um, but the scripture that says um, God is love and He will drive out all fear. The next line is because you don't fear punishment. Yeah. Not because fear falls punishment. Not, not just. If you have. Fear, you're not listening to God. If you have fear, then you're still subjecting yourself to the punishment that God says, but I took care of him. Exactly. That's not, it's, it right. doesn't make you not a Christ person. It just, you're listening to the wrong voice in your yeah. head. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Say, uh, we could just, I'm going to stop with one last thing, but we're going to go on. We're just going to put a comma on this and come back again. But look at Satan has two tools, accusation and deception. That's really all he's got left. So he deceives you into thinking a certain thing, and then accuses you for being a crud for believing that thing. And so he, he's seen a billion of us, and he's not omnipresent, so there's demonic influence floating around. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? I wonder why bad things happen to bad people. I mean, because they're already in the wrong camp. You know, why do bad things happen to Christians? Because we're targeted. We're targeted. We're targeted. Real quick, Andy, I know we're... Um, being omnipresent, Satan does not have that power. That's something that really only occurred to me a couple of years ago, that <coughs> most of the influence we have is not necessarily, it may never have been Satan. It's the demonic influence amongst us. Yeah, we say Satan meaning King George's people. You know, it's like that kingdom, the dark kingdom. Okay, when we recognize Satan, we take appropriate action, we become better people, and Satan not only loses what he was after, but more is taken back. That is the way God does it. When Satan comes after one of his kids, he goes, you're not only going to take back what was stolen from you previously, you're going to take back more. We're going to go beyond healing to destiny. Which is really good stuff. Okay, bless you. Thanks.